Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. I want to say welcome to those of you listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM up and down the Front Range. Glad you tuned in today. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We also want to say hello to everyone who is uh, listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. We're syndicated over there. And we're also syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program, wherever you're tuning in from. I want to remind you that those of you who are listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay, which means that we would love for you to call in, and then you get to tune in the next week and hear yourself on the radio. So that's cool. So definitely do that. I haven't gotten any callers from Truth FM in Tennessee, and I would love to hear from somebody, have somebody call in from there. So if you're listening, take that as a personal challenge. Give me a call today. I'd love to talk with you about the Bible or pray for you if you have a prayer request, whatever's going on. Definitely call us at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. I want to also give a big hello to everyone who listens online, whether it's via our mobile app or website. There's a great Grace FM mobile app that you can use to uh, tune into the station wherever you're at. I know that's what uh, my family uses because we don't even have a radio in our house. So whether we're, if we're in the car, we listen to the radio. But if we're out and about or if we're even inside our house, we just tune in using the app and a speaker. So I would encourage you, if you don't have that app yet, go ahead and download that from your app store. And you can always listen in your web browser as well at gracefm.com. So however you've tuned in today, wherever you're listening from, welcome to the program. Uh, again, this is a show where you can call in with questions about the Bible. If there's anything going on in your life, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you. You can call us or text us. Again, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado. And we love Jesus. We love to study the Bible verse by verse. And... Um, I am your host here every Monday on Calvary Live, and I, uh, again, that church I'm a pastor of, we're here in Longmont, Colorado, so if you're listening in the Longmont, Colorado area, I'd just like to take the opportunity to personally invite you to come and worship with us at Whitefields. Uh, we can check us out online. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is in downtown Longmont at the corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak. So Kaufman Street and Longs Peak Avenue, which is just one block west of Maine on Longs Peak. 
And um, it's in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. It's a historical building here in Longmont. So if people in Longmont tend to know where that is. But we're on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. And uh, you can also hear me on Grace FM. We have a show that airs every weekday at 2.30 p.m. called Life in the Field. And those are our sermons cut for the radio at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time or on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So it's every weekday at 2.30 and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And again, that's whitefieldschurch.com. This coming Sunday is Easter. So I hope that you have decided where you're going to go to church to see Easter. If you haven't, then uh, and definitely uh, find a place to go worship the Lord this Sunday. If you're in Longmont area, we'd love to have you visit us. We're going to be studying John chapter 12, where there's this amazing sentence that Jesus says to Martha, the sister of Lazarus. You remember, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But before he does that, she says to him, Martha says to him, this is in John chapter 12. Martha says to Jesus, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, no, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe. So we're going to be talking about what that means to believe in Jesus as the resurrection and the life and what it means to, though you die, you will live again if you believe in him. That'll be this Sunday. And, you know, I mentioned that usually we have services at... um, 10 o'clock, but this Sunday for Easter, we're going to have two services, at one at 9 and one at 10.30. So 9 o'clock and 10.30, and we are going to be studying that. I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, I just encourage you, wherever you're listening from, that Easter is one of those times of the year, kind of like Christmas and Easter. These are the times when you have an awesome opportunity to invite friends, family, people who don't usually go to church. And statistics have shown, like they've done surveys, and people have said that, you know, I don't usually go to church, but I would go to church on Easter if somebody invited me. So I I would challenge you to consider who it is that you want to personally invite to join you for church this Easter. It's like shooting fish in a barrel, man. They're probably going to say yes. So definitely do invite somebody to join you. Don't go to church alone this Sunday. Invite somebody with you. Let's go to line one. We've got Marcy in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Marcy. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hey, is your radio on? Could I ask you to turn it off? Yeah, is my radio on? Turn it off? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, better. my name is Marcy. I'm calling from Aurora. My husband is having surgery next week. I just want us to pray for him. Great. Can I ask his name? His name is Clifford. Okay. Well, let's pray for your husband. Uh, Heavenly yeah. Father, we pray for Marcy and her husband. Lord, we ask for uh, this upcoming surgery. Lord, we ask that you would watch over him in this time. Lord, we pray that throughout the surgery, as they cut into his body, Lord, we pray that you would be watching over him. And Lord, that uh, truly this surgery would be effective. Lord, that he would be made well through the the work of the doctors and through this surgery. We pray that you would watch over him as he is in surgery. We know that's just a a time when our lives can be in the balance. And so, Lord, we we trust him to you and we ask that... um, Lord, we ask that you'd watch over his life. I pray for Marcy, Lord, as she goes through this, Lord, that you would give her an extraordinary trust and faith in you. That no matter what happens, she knows that you are the one who holds her life and holds her times in your hands and that you care for her and you care for her husband. So, Lord, I pray that you would watch over them, give them peace, and give them faith. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, thank, thank you for Pastor. calling in. God bless you. All right. God bless you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. 
You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts today. We have two open lines. You can call us at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Sherry on line three. Hey, Sherry. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Welcome to the program. Um, thank you. I am asking for prayer. My 77-year-old mother uh, fell two weeks ago and broke her back, Mm. and due to her bad heart and her bad lungs, they have sent her home to die. And she's in a lot of pain, and she's a good Christian woman, and she's just praying that Jesus will hurry and take her home, and that's what we would like prayer for, that Jesus will take her home and be out of her pain. She experienced um, two massive strokes six years ago, Mm. and she had paralysis on her left side, which has always been painful to her, and now this. So if we could just get prayer for that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray for your mom. Heavenly Father, we pray for Sherry and we pray for her mother. Lord, thank you that in your kingdom we have this promise that there will be no more sickness, no more infirmity, no more tears. And Lord, we cling to that promise. We hold on to it. Uh, that is our, our hope that, that gets us through the difficulties of this life. And so thank you, Lord, for that glorious promise we have. And we pray for her mother, Lord, that you would comfort her right now in her uh, pain, in her suffering. And Lord, that uh, thank you that she has this hope in you, that death is not something that she fears because, Lord, she, she has you. And she knows where she's going when she passes from this life. Your word says that... Uh, it, you know, Paul talks about having this desire to be absent from the body so that he might be present with the Lord. And we see that same desire in Sherry's mom. So, Lord, we pray that according to your will, Lord, you would take her to yourself. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, uh, anything going on in your life, uh, if you'd like a prayer, if you'd like to be prayed for, or you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear for you, hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our text line. We've had a few texts come in. Um, so let's go and do that real quick. So we have one question that came in. It says this, why do you think the Bible does not speak about boyfriend and girlfriend relationships? And the second question, does the principle about being unequally yoked apply to boyfriends and girlfriends? Okay, so here's what I would tell you. Uh, The reason why the Bible doesn't talk about boyfriend-girlfriend relationships is simply because the way that relationships were done in antiquity or in that time when the Bible was written are, is very different than the way that we do it today. So, the, you know, I think that's just important for us to realize that the way that we do relationships today is very much shaped by our culture and our history. It's not the only way to do it, and it's not the only way it's ever been done. And, and in Jesus' time, um, marriages were done 
quite a bit differently. And, and you can really see that when you go back even into the book of Genesis and you see how relationships were done. A lot of times they were arranged. Uh, and when they weren't arranged, they were definitely facilitated many times by the families. So you didn't have this kind of thing that we have in our day where, you know, uh, starting in teenage years, uh, boys and girls just kind of autonomously go off on their own and get to know each other, maybe date around and have these kind of uh, committed relationships, but only committed so far because it's only a commitment to maybe commit myself to you, maybe. Um, so they, they didn't have these kinds of relationships. They would even have betrothals. And so betrothal was kind of like a pre-engagement engagement. And so, it, or I'm sorry, that's actually, I should put it this way. It was more like an engagement to be married, but yet you weren't married, but yet your engagement had more, um, say, commitment than what even our engagements today have. So, yeah, the reason why the Bible doesn't talk about boyfriend-girlfriend relationships is simply just because the way they did relationships was different then. Now, I am not saying that we should go back to doing relationships the way that they did 2,000 years ago. Uh, I think we could probably learn a few things from them. Um, but I am saying that I, I just think that's why the Bible doesn't talk about it. However, your second question, does the principle about being unequally yoked apply to boyfriends and girlfriends? Yes, uh, I believe it does. So let's look at that um, passage on what it means to be unequally yoked. That's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. So 2 Corinthians 6, 14, I'm just opening up there myself. And here's what it says. So he is talking to the Corinthians... And he is, um, he is talking about relationships being unequally yoked with unbelievers. And see, here's the thing. I don't think he's only talking about romantic relationships. I think, I think he's talking about any kind of binding relationship. So here's what he says. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And, and For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be my God. They will be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst. Separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. And then I will welcome you and I'll be a father to you. And you should be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, so here's, here's what he's talking about. I would say if there is any passage in the Bible that talks about dating, it would be this one because he's talking about, like I said, it's not only about marriage, but it is about choosing a spouse and choosing a spouse uh, who will be someone who, with whom you can be equally yoked. So the idea of being yoked, right? A yoke is that piece of wood that they would put over two oxen or even over two donkeys and they would kind of yoke them together, lash them together with this piece of wood and then they would pull a plow together. And what he's saying is if you had two fundamentally different kinds of animals, right? Like if you took an ox, which is much bigger than a donkey, and then a donkey on the other side, it would actually create pain for both animals and it would be ineffective in pulling that plow in the in the direction with the same consistency and all of those things. And and like I said, it would actually be painful for the animals. And so he's saying he's using that analogy of being yoked together with someone, being tied together with someone and and having a task. And so he says, well how can you how can you do that with a person who's not a believer. So he says, when you're choosing as a Christian, when you're choosing someone to spend your life with, whether it's you know pr primarily as a spouse, as your prospective spouse, then you better make sure that you choose someone with whom you can be equally 
yoked. It means somebody who's, so to say, cut from the same cloth. And I would say this includes a few things. You want to be compatible. Um, you want to be compatible spiritually, along with uh, physically and, and in, you know, intellectual things as well. And so, but spiritually is really important. And that's his big point here. You know, how can you be yoked to someone? Why would you want to be yoked to someone who is not uh, a believer? Now, here's why I say that this applies to dating relationships and not to marriage relationships. Because I think that you can be in an unequally yoked marriage. But here's the thing. That, here's the reason why I believe he's talking specifically of courtship or dating what we would call in our day a dating type of relationship is because it seems that he's saying, hey, if you're going to choose, now's the time to choose. And here's why, because later on he, or actually in 1 Corinthians, he talks about people who are married and they're a believer, but their spouse is not a believer. And his advice is not to leave their spouse. And actually that's, you know, that's echoed later on in Peter's epistle too, where he talks about wives whose husbands are not believers, that they should live in such a way that helps their husband to see Christ. And, um, and he talks in first Corinthians, you know, he says, Hey, look, if your spouse abandons you because you become a Christian, that's one thing. But if you're already married to somebody and they want to continue living with you, even though you're a Christian and they're not, then you should, you should continue. You shouldn't get divorced because of that. So I think that's an important point to make. Sometimes people will ask that question and say, oh, I'm unequally yoked, so should I then get divorced? And I'd be like, absolutely not. You're not going to go and make uh, something uh, right by doing something wrong. So I hope that answers your question. If there's anybody else out there who has a question on this topic, I know this is a, a hot topic that we get a lot of questions about, about um, you know relationships, being unequally yoked, and uh, stuff like divorce. So we'd love to talk with you about it on the air. This is Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady, and I am with you today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Paul in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Paul. Hey, Pastor. How are you doing today? Doing well. What's up? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, my brother Danny had a, uh, a seizure in the street yesterday, and... Um, he's epileptic and autistic, so seizures aren't necessarily um, stranger to him. So he, uh, but he's never had one that had a uh, an accident this bad. But he ended up landing on his face and um, cut his forehead open really bad and and busted his lip open. It was a total of about 32 stitches on the surface, and then uh, an, an additional probably about the same amount underneath the surface and uh, to close up the deep wound, but. Um, he's handling it kind of rough because he doesn't necessarily understand how, like, kind of what happened. And, and my parents are handling it kind of rough because, you know, my mom, no mother wants to see their kid like that. And, and they're kind of stressing and worrying about it. So I just, I w I'd like some prayer for a quick healing and um, some peace and comfort in the situation for everyone involved. Yeah. And how old is Danny? Uh, he's about 34 years old. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Let's pray for him. So, Heavenly Father, we pray for Danny. We thank you for his brother having a heart for him and just caring so much about him. We thank you for putting Danny in a family where he's got parents and a brother who care about him and who watch out for him and take care of him. Lord, we pray for a quick healing for Danny. Thank you, Lord, that he was able to get medical attention. And, um, Lord, we do pray that you would watch over him and we pray that these stitches would would uh, cause this healing to to go quickly, and uh, and Lord that you would heal him. We pray that there wouldn't be any infection, 
And Lord, we pray that, uh, Lord, when he, that you would bring healing to his body also in this, with these seizures, these epile- with this epilepsy and with this autism. Lord, we just ask for healing for his body. We pray for clarity. Lord, we pray for, um, for Danny to just have peace in his mind and in his heart. And we pray, Lord, that Danny would know you. We know that, uh, Lord, in his capacity, he can know you and he can have joy. And so we do ask, Lord, for Danny to be filled with the knowledge of you and with joy in knowing you. We pray that you would bring a peace that passes understanding to his heart and his mind in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to David in Parker, Colorado. Hi, David. Hey, Pastor Nick. Hey, what's up? Um, well, I, uh, there's a connection with your previous caller. I actually have a, a son who's autistic. He's uh, nonverbal, um, so he's actually in the background. You may hear him uh, making happy noises. Um, cool. But uh, I was just wondering if you could maybe elaborate on what a distinction that has been growing um, for me as I as I read and as I study between sin versus righteousness or unrighteousness. Um, could could you? elaborate on on those two phrase those two terms and what they mean yeah so i'd say that uh, part of the difference is that unrighteousness is a condition whereas sin is is uh it can also be a condition right like you can have a sinful condition uh i think those two are synonyms unrighteousness and and uh sinful and um, so, yeah, I would just say that they're, they're kind of degrees. Unrighteousness, I guess, would be the broad topic, the, the broadest form. Sin being a, a way of describing that. And then within that, I think that you can have different kinds of unrighteousness. So, for example, there can be transgression, which is when you transgress means that you step over a line. That's literally what it means to transgress. Uh, sin, for example, the word for sin comes from the idea of missing the mark, meaning that whether it's intentional or unintentional, you missed the mark, right? Like so a, a an archer, for example, might be trying to hit the mark and miss it, and that's still sin. I think that's, a, that's an important point to make. You know, it still falls under the category of unrighteousness. Whereas um, you can have somebody who transgresses, which is much more of a deliberate type of thing. Like they know exactly where the line is and they step over the line on purpose. That's also a form of sin. And all of those fall under the broader category of unrighteousness. Okay. So would you make a connection between quenching the spirit versus grieving the spirit? Where between those two? Yeah, I think I would, between quenching the Spirit and grieving the Spirit. I have uh, thought about this in the past. Um, so quenching the Spirit, I would say, is... Um, well, I, I would probably need to think about that a little bit more. I think that grieving the Spirit, you know, I think that uh, it speaks of the Spirit as a person of the Trinity. I think that's a really important point to make, is that the three pers- is Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force, but is someone who... As a, as a person of the Trinity, has feelings in a way. You know, you see that, that God, we see that the Son, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit,
are all described in this form of having a will and also having um, emotion described as having emotion and being grieved right so so grieving we see that the father is grieved like for example in um, Genesis chapter 6 it, God looks on the earth and he sees the wickedness of man and he's grieved to the heart and I think that you can grieve the spirit and I think that quenching the spirit is when uh, you know the spirit desires to do something and and we quench it um, we stifle it so to say Okay. Okay. Um, then, uh, did I, do you mind if I just bounce this off of you? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, just uh, trying to categorize things and, and grapple with them in my own head. Um, to, to define righteousness, that, that God, is, God is righteousness. Um, it, trying to divide that into basically three levels. One would be establishing a criteria or a standard the next part would be modeling or or um you know living out making an example of that uh standard and then the third phase would be uh enforcing um or you know um enforcing that standard in in other people and that's and that would be righteousness um and when we compare human righteousness which chooses a standard of their own we usually don't enforce it on ourselves, and then we're usually a lot more stringent on enforcing it on other people. Um, you know, our, our attempt at righteousness always falls short according to his, his righteousness, which is the perfect standard, which, which he does model in every instance, and which he, and which he does enforce by, by that's what heaven is only peopled by people that are righteous. Um, and so it, it seems... Uh, you know, in, in the Old Testament, every time you have a believer, they say it was credited unto them as righteousness. Um, and so I was just seeing a distinction between sin and righteousness. And I don't hear a lot of pastors or churches talk about righteousness. They talk a lot about your sins are paid for, your sins are paid for. Well, when when it comes to the end times, when we face our Maker, He's not going to judge us for our, our sins, because those have already been paid for and atoned for at the cross. But when we get into heaven or we've compared, or that we have tried to substitute our righteousness for his righteousness and claim that it is good enough to get into heaven versus a believer who says, who has relinquished their attempt at righteousness and have, have remained loyal or, you know, accept the sovereignty of God. Um, and that just seems like a little different take on, yeah. on righteousness than what I normally have heard. So yeah, I, I think I get what you're you're getting at. There's a presumption that you're making, which um, which I think is is probably okay. I just don't know if you could really really make a firm standing on that presumption. And I'll explain what I think your presumption is in just a second. But okay. I will bring this up to you real quick. In, in this talk about righteousness and unrighteousness, there's a distinction made. And just a heads up, we're going to break in two minutes. So if we don't finish the conversation, maybe you can hang on with me and we'll finish on the other side. But um, so here's what's, here's what's up with righteousness. The Bible describes, uh, so uh, how do I want to put this? Well, let's talk about righteousness on the positive end, right? So righteousness is a status. So God is righteous, meaning that he is just, he is right. Everything about him is right. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, uh, we're told that we are Right, that there's such a thing as a righteous person. So, for example, uh, Proverbs talks a lot about the righteous man as opposed to the wicked man. Mm 
-hmm. And that's not uh, in the same sense as the status that is given in Christ, right? Like this is pre-Christ. This is a person who is walking with God and in God's pleasure. We talk about righteous lot, right? Um, we talk about people in the Old Testament. No one was found righteous except for Noah. And uh, and the Bible talks about this as uh, in Proverbs as like being like, this is how a righteous person acts as opposed to an as a wicked person or an unrighteous person. So there's two different ways that unrighteousness is talked about in the Bible. The one is as a status, which, uh, you know, like think about Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, there is none who is righteous, no, not even one. And yet in the Old Testament, we keep reading about all these righteous people. And then in Proverbs tells us how to live righteously and how to live rightly, right? So that we have to figure out what is the difference between those two. By the way, I'm coming up on the break. If you want to hang with me to the other side of the break, that would be awesome. If not, then I'll just kind of finish the conversation on my own. But if you don't mind, we're going to go to break. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We're going to be right back after this two-minute break. Stick with us. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Glad to to have you tuning in today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your um, questions about life, or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Just before the break, we were talking to David in Parker, Colorado. And so let's see, David, are you still with us? I am. Great. Yeah, thanks for hanging on. So we were talking about righteousness and sin, and what's the difference between righteousness and sin. So I was saying that when it comes to the term righteousness, um, we need to see it and and understand that it's used in the Bible in two ways. So one way is as in a status, which we, you know, which is God's status, which we fall short of, and then in Christ He imparts that status to us by faith, which we receive by faith, right? But then on the other hand, the Bible also talks about righteousness as regarding you know, doing good deeds, doing deeds that are in accordance with God's heart. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably the reason why a lot of the preachers that you hear from uh, use the word sin more than they use the word righteousness. Now, um, here's what I would say to I, I had told you earlier, I think that you're assuming something. And so I might be wrong about what you're assuming. So here's here's what it kind of sounded like to me. It sounded like to me that the assumption you're making is that in Christ, everyone's sins have been forgiven. And um, they've already been taken care of, so to say. Jesus has carried them. And so the real question now is, will everyone trust in their own righteousness or will they forsake trusting in their own righteousness and trust instead in Christ's righteousness imparted to them? by what he did on the cross and received by faith. Does that sound correct? Um, I, I, do you mind if I elaborate just a little bit? Go ahead, yeah. Uh, in, in Isaiah 14, 14 is, the, is where St. Lucifer culminates his five I wills, 
with, I will be like God. Um, I think that is where the reason that Lucifer is cast into hell is because it's at that point that he says, I can be as good as God. Um, and what the, what the penalty of history shows is that created beings that have free will, given the choice between either accepting God's sovereignty and being a member of, of God's house, um, or attempting to do things on your own and attempting Lucifer's path, either to follow Lucifer himself or to choose to follow your own path, that is the, that's the eternal question that is, has been raised since Lucifer got himself kicked out of heaven by rebelling against God. So the reason that even though Lucifer was sentenced to hell before time began, and the reason that human beings, countless human beings, will join Lucifer in hell, is not because God wants to throw people in hell, not because God wants to throw Satan in hell, but because Satan and anyone who chooses to say, I can be as good as God, they have chosen to be absent from God, because God has to defend uh, his goodness, his righteousness. If he didn't, then it would fail to be righteousness, and, and he would no longer be him. And so the, the question to me is, am I, am I going to try to do things on my own, or am I going to accept God's sovereignty? That's the point of salvation. Um, that's the question of salvation, when I recognize that I can't do that on my own, that I do need uh, divine help. I need him uh, to not only wash away my sins, but the only way I can get into heaven is to accept the righteousness that he imparts to us at that point. That's, that's salvation. Um, so yeah, that I'm, I'm not disagreeing that? with you at all. I think, you, you know, you asked why, why don't people talk more about righteousness? Well, I think they should. I think that um, it's probably quite biblical to talk about righteousness. And, you know, one of, the, one of my favorite parables that I like to teach from is the parable of the wedding feast. This is found in Matthew 22. And so here's here's kind of the parable. I'll just sum it up for you real quick. Uh, the parable of wedding feast says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and his servants were sent out to invite all these people to the wedding feast. The people who were invited didn't come. So he sent out his servants and said, you know, go to the highways and byways and just invite anybody because I already prepared the feast. So they go out and all these people come in. Now the tradition in that time is if you show up to a party, they would actually provide you with wedding clothes. And so uh, the king's going around. There's all these people who have come in. It says that uh, the people who came in, this is the part I love about the parable. It says that they uh, brought in the people. And where is the verse? Um, I'm trying to find it. Yeah, here it goes. They gathered in everyone they could find, both the bad and the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And I think that's just such an interesting picture. Basically, the people who were invited weren't interested in coming. And, and so then he says, well, then just invite anyone who will come. You know, and so it says they filled the hall both with good people and bad people. But here's what mattered in the wedding feast. Uh, we see that in the next part. It says that the king looked and there was one guest who was not wearing the wedding garment. And he said, how did you get in here without a wedding garment, friend? And the man didn't say anything. And the king says to the attendants, I want you to tie him up and cast him into outer darkness in the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you're like, wow, that escalated quickly, didn't it? Right? Like there's this guy and he's just like wearing a t-shirt and jeans. And all of a sudden he gets thrown into hell. Like, whoa, that, uh, that was crazy. How'd that happen? Well, you have to understand the historical context. And the historical context is this, that you would come to a wedding feast or any kind of, you know, big party in those days, and they would give you special garments. Everybody would be wearing the same garments. So whether you were rich or you were poor, everybody would be wearing the same thing. There'd be kind of a uniformity. And uh, and then there's this guy over here who, 
who for some reason has not put on the wedding garments. In other words, he thinks the way that he's clothed is good enough. And so then he doesn't put on the wedding garments, and as a result, the king is very offended and casts him into outer darkness, right? What is that speaking of? It's speaking of the fact that God has called people into his kingdom, both good people and bad people, right? Like, you know, you might be a total sinner or you might be a pretty decent person. Uh, the way, but what matters is that you put on this garment. So what's that garment? Go back to like Isaiah chapter 55, I believe it is, where he says, you have clothed me with the robes of righteousness. You have clothed me with your wedding garment. And so it's just a beautiful picture of what it means to be given the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. It means to be clothed. And, and when you are unwilling to put on that, when you say, hey, man, the way I'm clothed is good enough. Well, Isaiah has something to say about that too, doesn't he? He says, our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. In other words, if you won't put on the righteousness of God that has been provided for you in Christ, you insist on standing before God in your own clothing, so to say, of your own righteousness, that will be found like filthy deeds. Or, yeah, it'd be, sorry, it'll be found like filthy rags, even your best deeds. And, 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 and you'll be. But those, those garments were specifically the menstrual garments that were right. held during a woman's cycle, right? Yep, super gross. I was kind of hoping yeah. you wouldn't go there, bro. <laughs> anyway, I'm just well, joking. So it's the comparison, and it's yeah. very temporal. I mean, it's it's um yeah. Cool. All right. Hey, so I think we're on the same page. But you know what? I would just give you this one last thing as we close. Don't be too down on people who are talking about sin, you know, because on the other hand, there's one thing I would remind you of. Jesus has carried all of our sins, but there's also these parables that say that uh, if you won't forgive those who sin against you, then God won't forgive your sins, right? And so there's this thing about God forgiving your sins. That's also one picture of what it means to be saved. It's not the whole picture, but it's one part. So, you know, just let's be gracious with, with those people too. Um, but I sure. think that you're on the right track. Just with, with Easter coming up, a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the push that you get from non-believers is, I'm, I'm a good person. Why would I, why do I deserve to go to hell? And the, it just seems like there's no, there's not a whole a ready answer. There's not a, a complete grasping of the situation. So that, that question comes across and it kind of disarms uh, most people and without an understanding that, look, you're probably a better person than I am. I'm, you know, you, you, I, I probably sinned worse than you. But the reason that I'm going to heaven is not because I'm, uh, because I, I'm a bad person and my sins have been forgiven. It's because the good deeds that I'm trying to stack up aren't my good deeds. And the only way I get in is through God's good deeds, not mine. And therefore, a person who thinks that they're, pretty, they're a decent person, that they don't deserve to go to heaven, that's why they're mistaken. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for calling in. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts today. And um, I would just like to say one more thing on that, that previous caller we had. You know, we, we talked about this. I was hosting the show on Friday as well. And on Friday, what we talked about was the parable of prodigal son and how the parable of prodigal son speaks primarily to those who do trust in their own goodness uh, and think, oh, you know, like people who are like criminals or, you know, drug addicts, you know, people who murder the president or live in a trash can. Maybe those people need uh, to get radically saved, but not me because I'm a pretty decent person. I go to college and I pay my bills. And the Bible would say, no, 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 
you need Jesus just as much as as the uh, person who is in deep, deep darkness, um, because you know you cannot be saved by your own good deeds either. So I think that's just a really good point that Robert brought up there. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that was not Robert. That was David from Parker. So let's go to line one. We've got Robert in Berthoud, Colorado. Hi, Robert. Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you doing? Oh, would be better if my friend's son would have survived this last bout of cancer. Okay. She uh, went to school with her, and she she and I became real good friends. And her 24-year-old son, who had been battling it for four years, finally passed away on Saturday. Wow. And I, I know everybody that listens to to the station will be praying for her and her family because they really need prayers. They're they're getting really messed up and they're real good Christians too. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Let's pray for them and their family. Heavenly Father, we pray for Robert. We pray for his friend whose twenty four year old son just passed away. Lord, that's just so uh so sad. It's so early for someone to pass. Uh, but Lord, we do trust in you. We trust that you are uh, a God who can heal and you are a God who, um, who is sovereign over our lives. And so, Lord, we desire to trust you in the midst of these things. Um, but, and Lord, we, we do thank you. I, I recall, Lord, uh, what happened when you went to the grave of your friend, Lazarus, who died, and you wept. It says that, uh, Lord, you wept, and, and you wept in a way that describes uh, kind of a convulsing type of weeping. It was very deep grief that you experienced. It says that you groaned in your spirit, and you were deeply moved in your spirit and greatly troubled. Even though you knew, Lord, that you were going to raise Lazarus from the dead, still you wept over him, and you were grieved by seeing the pain and the brokenness of this world and how it affected people and, and the sorrow that it brings. Lord, I pray that you would bring comfort to this family. I pray that in the midst of this, they would draw near to you rather than be pushed away from you. And so, Lord, I, I do pray that you would do a good work in this family and in their lives. Um, and, and, Lord, you would use even such a, a bad thing is this and i do believe we can say it is a bad thing lord you didn't create us for darkness and death you create us for light and life and uh but lord i pray that you would use it for good and for your glory and for the good of this family and lord i pray um i pray truly that they would take hold of the hope that is truly hope in the life that is truly life lord just as you promised in this verse you are the resurrection and the life and whoever believes in you though they die they shall live Everyone who lives and believes in you will never die. Lord, I pray for this family and for all of us listening, that we would take hold of this promise and the life that is to come, and, uh, and that we would live in the light of that. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. I also would like you. to put in a plug for uh, Earth that is holding uh, St. Bernadine's Day this Saturday. It's an act of kindness for... Uh, cancer research. Everybody's welcome to come up and and participate in it. Cool. All right. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, I'm sure that we have some listeners up in that area who might be interested. Thank you so much.
All right, God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We have all open lines right now and about 15 minutes left in the show. If you would like to call in, it's still a good time. We still have time for you to get on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let me just give you a, a quick a bit of information about something else that's going on this Saturday in Longmont. So for those of you in our area, our church, Whitefields Community Church, we put on uh, what we understand to be the largest Easter outreach in the Boulder County uh, area. So we do a big festival in Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont. And uh, which you know, last year we had almost 2,000 people there. It was great. So we do a a big Easter egg hunt for the kids. We have uh, age groups, you know, all the way up until I believe 12 years old. Now we used to only go until eight, but we added 12 because we had a uh, we had a bunch of kids who were just standing around. So we figured, well, they can go and get some candy too. We've also got a couple different bounce houses. We've got a puppet show. That's our main gospel presentation. We do this gospel presentation through this puppet show that we do. We have some very talented actors in our church and they do this uh, puppet show and then we also do face painting we have a you know balloon making and crafts that's another way that we share the gospel we do this gospel craft so if you are in the boulder county area or you're in longmont or southeast weld county we'd love to have you come out and join us for that it's a free event bring your kids it's at 10 a.m on saturday this saturday palm sunday and, or I'm sorry, not Palm Sunday, the Saturday before Easter. I'm sorry, I'm just coming off of Palm Sunday yesterday. Uh, so yeah, Saturday before Easter, that's March 31st, this coming Saturday in Longmont's Roosevelt Park, right in downtown Longmont. We'd love to have you join us if you're in the area. Let's go to Peggy in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Pastor. Um, I have a question about the Book of Ruth. I've read it several times, and sometimes I hear... Maybe you or other pastors saying something about a scripture, and you say, "Oh, this is a picture and a type." Mm-hmm. And I'm—I don't get the point of Ruth, and and I'm wondering—is there a picture and a type in there that I'm missing? And I—I I don't get it. Yeah. So do you you understand? I mean, those terms, picture and type, you understand yeah. what those terms mean? Yeah. Right? That. Yeah. That. I just, I don't totally understand the point of Ruth. What is God telling us in that book? Yeah, so there's a couple things, but I'd say that the one of the most important metaphors here is of a is of this idea of the kinsman redeemer. Mm-hmm. And uh and that's really important. So okay, just let me give you a, a kind of a brief overview of what's going on in the uh book of Ruth. Is mm-hmm. that uh this is a time when there had been a famine in um in Israel, and so some people had gone away from Israel to the east, to the land of Moab, which is on the other side of the Jordan River, uh, mm-hmm. in Israel. So they go over there to um, to the land of Moab. You know, I'm just pulling something up while we talk. So they go over to the land of Moab, and then uh, they want to come back. You know, so what happens is this this man goes over there. He um, he takes his wife with him. They have a son. Their son marries a Moabitess woman who is, you know, that that was kind of against the rules, right? You weren't supposed to mm-hmm. intermarry. Right. So he marries this woman, Ruth, but then both the father and the son, right, the Ruth's husband, die. And so mm-hmm. Noemi, or Naomi, 
Mm -hmm. uh, she decides, hey, you know what? I have nothing left in Moab. I'm just going to go back, like, to Israel. So she's going to go back. Um, and, and it's... Uh, Gosh, I'm trying to trying to remember off the top of my head uh, what are the big pictures in in here. So she goes back and um, and then the land that they used to own is gone. So they have no land. They're basically poor. They have no men to take care of them. You know, which I know that sounds kind of paternalistic mm -hmm. in our day, but mm -hmm. in in that time mm -hmm. it was very important. In that society, mm -hmm. it's very hard for a single woman to mm -hmm. survive. And so they find this person uh, who is able to get that land back, and his name is Boaz. He's a cousin or, mm -hmm. or something like that. And he mm -hmm. is the only one who is able to be a kinsman redeemer. And so what that mm -hmm. means is that he is going to have to marry Ruth in order for Ruth to have any kind of inheritance. Mm -hmm. And in order for him to um, be able to take back that land, which belonged to Noemi, or Naomi's family. And so, anyway, the I was the big picture of it is this: there's this concept of the goel, the kinsman redeemer, and so they find this guy Boaz. He's the only person who can do this, and the question is, will he do this? Because, you know, for him, it's he's marrying an outsider. He's marrying a foreign woman, and uh, and yet he does this. He marries her, and because he marries her, she now has. An inheritance she's now covered and that is a picture of what Jesus does for us that he is the okay. only one who could be our Redeemer who could save us from this kind of lost situation that we are in and he does mm -hmm. it by marrying us and um, and all of that and the other thing to remember is that through that comes David David is born as the mm -hmm. grand uh, grandson of Ruth who again is a Moabitess, she's a foreigner. Um, and then Jesus then comes from Ruth. And so it's a picture of bringing in this foreigner, this outsider. And so that's a big picture in the gospel. That, you know, that's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, We who were once outsiders, he has now brought near. Hmm. So. Hmm. Okay, that's what I needed to hear. Okay, good. I'm glad I wrapped that up for you. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Okay. All right. God bye bless bye. you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Um, taking your calls and texts today. We've got eight minutes left in the show. Number to call is 303-690-3000. We've got a few callers on the line. Let's go to David. Hi, David. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you doing? Doing well. What's up? Uh, so I just got, maybe this is a dumb question, but um, anyway... Uh, I was watching recently uh, the right that um, movie with Anthony Hopkins and that like exorcism and how yeah. the okay cool so um, basically the, when the younger guy goes off and they send him to the Vatican and he has to do these whatever whatever you want to call it seminary stuff at the Vatican they were saying in this exorcism course that uh, you know in order to perform an exorcism you have to know the name of the possessor or whatever. Um, or the possessing spirits, and and then they said that uh, King Solomon had made a book of and a list of all these different demons and blah 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 blah. Um, is any I guess that whole thing about him making a book uh, and listing all these demonic beings is that an actual thing or is that just made up for the movie? Yeah, actually, I think that is a real thing. But, you know, if there was, yeah, so I'm just Googling it right now, honestly. So uh, it seems that that is a real thing. 
But so what it's called is a pseudographical work ascribed to King Solomon. So this is what you call uh, Old Testament Apocrypha, meaning that it is a book which is sometimes treated in the same way that Scripture is treated, but it's not recognized as part of the canon, and which means that the Jewish people never recognize this as having any canonical significance, meaning, so the word canon just means a rule, like a ruler, meaning it's the thing that you measure by. So we sometimes yep. use the word rule of faith to describe the Bible and to describe like the creeds. And so they're, they're the, you know, they are the regulating thing for our faith, right? They determine what it is mm -hmm. that we believe, right? And so this was never considered that by the Jewish people. And there are a lot of books out there from antiquity. And so one of the things that would happen uh, inevitably is that somebody would want to make a book seem legitimate and so the way that they would do that is that they would try to pass it off as having been written by some famous person. So, for example, you have the, these books called like the Gospel of Thomas, right? You've probably yep. heard of that one. Uh, yep. Was that written by Thomas? Well, no, it actually seems that that was a Gnostic gospel. Why does it say it was written by Thomas? Well, because they're trying to make it seem legit. And so they try mm -hmm. to put it in this guy's name. Same with, like, they have the Acts of Paul, which is another New Testament apocryphal book, uh, which turned up at, in different times and different places, and was determined by church councils to not be a legitimate canonical book. So it, it would seem that this is a pseudographical, meaning, it, meaning that it was made to seem as if Solomon wrote it, but yet it was probably not actually written by Solomon. And... And I oh, would okay. say that uh, that, you know, portraying that that in Catholic seminary, they're actually teaching uh, that you should use this book. I would say that that is probably not even accurate. Like, I, I highly doubt that uh, they would do something like that. OK. Yeah. Like I said, I was watching it and I was just like, I was like, dang, you know, I don't know. It sounded crazy, but. Yeah. No. So something exists along those lines and uh, a kind of list of demons and their names. But, uh, you know, so there's like, for example, you know, in Acts 19, there's this story of the seven sons of Sceva, this demon. And um, and there's a great example of somebody who, you know, knew the name of a demon. And yet the demon came out and and really beat this guy up. Why? Because he said, hey, I know who Jesus is. and I know who Paul is, but who are mm -hmm. you? Right. Yeah. So it. it it's it'd be a little bit i think in my opinion naive to think that all you have to do is just know the name of a demon and the, and you win i mean i i also yeah, don't think no, I was that say that part i wasn't so sure i just thought um i guess i was more interested is like is does a book like that actually exist and if so like that seems kind of i don't know probably don't so, want that in a lot of people's hands but yeah it does exist and it, it seems like it was again pseudographical belonging to jewish mysticism and probably like way outside the bounds of what was considered orthodox judaism sure okay cool cool all right god bless you all right yeah thank you you're listening to calvary live this is pastor nick katie i think we've got time for one last call let's go to tony in denver colorado hi don hi tony hey how you doing i'm doing well we've got three minutes you think we can do this all right Oh, yeah, I can be quick. So I'm at Walmart last night, and somebody walks up on me, and they're telling me that, like, oh, the second coming of Christ. I just said no and walked away. I mean, they were talking about Abraham's bosom, Hades, and this, and they asked me, how do I know who's teaching the truth? And I said, Pastor Ed on the Hampton and Towers teaching the truth. And, like, <laughs> I just laughed at it and got like, But when they said that, I didn't know what to say, and my heart started going. I wanted to, like, get physical because, like, that, that's the old me. 
But, um, like, nah, that's lie. Like, what do I say to that? So what exactly were they saying that you took issue with? Um, that the first thing that they said, it was, um, that I just walked away and I just said, no, like, I'm not listening to that because I don't know if that's true doctrine that I've never heard. So, um, they just said, Jesus Christ has already returned. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Okay. So there are a couple groups that teach that Jesus already returned. And I mean, the, I, I, I want to just say they're wrong. And so some of them might ask, how do you know they're wrong? Well, I know they're wrong because the Bible says that they're wrong. So, I'll tell yeah. you where it says that is in second Thessalonians. Let me just give you kind of some very brief context. We've got less than two minutes left in the show. Here's yeah, the deal. I got it. Second Thessalonians, the writer is writing to these people and the issue is that this rumor had started going around. And remember, that's back in the time they didn't have an internet. They couldn't, you know, write emails to each other. So it was like this rumor <laughs> comes and they got to write a letter to Paul and somebody's got to carry that letter. It takes a long time to get answers, right? So the yeah. question was, hey, did uh, Jesus already come back? Because some people were spreading this rumor that Jesus came back and that these guys missed the boat. And Paul says, hey, hey, no, look, Jesus has not come back yet. And when he does, Everyone will see him. You're not going to miss it. Yeah. Don't worry. And that is uh, found in Second Thessalonians. So go read that Second book. Second Thessalonians. Yeah, that'll All give right. you some direction. And where does it say? Isn't it in Revelation that it talks about the sky's going to crack open? Yeah, you know that's found in Revelation. It's found in Second Thessalonians, and it's actually found in in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter twenty-five, also. 25 so also. Yeah, amen. Okay, places. I knew that was off. Yeah. Um, I'll tell far. you, there's one but group that I does believe that. more, like, backup yeah. because I don't want to get, you know, angry and then it yeah. turn into something that doesn't glorify God at all. Gotcha. Hey, one quick all thing. Right. we got 30 seconds, but I'll tell you, Jehovah's Witnesses, by the way, are one group who believe or teach that Jesus has actually already come back. And, again, I said they're in contradiction with the Bible. So, well, God bless you, man. That, but, all right, thank all you. Right. I appreciate Take it. Care. You have a great one. You too. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We've reached the end of our program. Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I will be with you again on next Monday. Have a great week and a happy Easter. God bless. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.